I'm going to say this, man, and I don't care who I offend, B. Everybody can't talk sports, eh? Stephen A. Shannon Shaw. Skip Bayless, man. It's only a few, B. And Mike and the Mike is a part of that few, B. Mike and the Mike on Sundays, B. Welcome to Clutch Time with Mike on the Mike with your favorite Mike listening to your favorite podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We've reached episode seven of the podcast, and today we're going to talk about one of the most iconic athletes in history. His name is Allen Iverson. He's an icon. He's a cultural icon, and he's one of the reasons that the NBA is as popular and as cultural as it is today. Um, So we're going to get into his basketball resume. We're going to get into his off-the-court, you know, stuff. We're also going to talk about how his cultural status has made the NBA as visible as as it is today, as well as the players, Um, and basically giving the players the powers that they have now as far as being able to speak out, dress how they want, things of that nature. Um, You know, if you know me, you know that if I'm talking sports on Facebook or whether it be in person or whatever the case may be, um, especially if we're talking basketball, I'm probably talking about LeBron James or something like that. Um, But if you really know me, you know that Allen Iverson is my favorite athlete of all time in any sport, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, tennis, golf, swimming, all of that. There is no player that I have more respect for and admiration for than Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, to me, is just a regular guy who was great at what he did. Allen Iverson is six feet tall. He weighed about 175 pounds when he played, and he was fearless. He was a force on the court. He was a force off the court. Now, his you know force off the court kind of made Allen Iverson's career into what it was, you know, the good and the bad. Um, but, you know, if you look back on it on today, that's him. That's that's who he is. That's, that's what he was going to do. He was going to do it his way. One of the very few athletes who refused to budge on how he was going to do things. And for the most part, it usually worked out for him. And in some instances, it didn't, um, which is why I don't think his career went as long as it probably should have. But we're definitely going to get into all of this. Um, Allen Iverson, like I said, he's a cultural icon and for most NBA players growing up today, they will tell you that Allen Iverson had some kind of impact on either how they play the game or just how they feel about the NBA game. So let's just get into it. I'm going to go, we're going to talk about the basketball side of things as well as the cultural side of things and to why Allen Iverson is what he is today. Um, So Allen Iverson was the number one overall pick in the 1996 NBA draft. Now that 1996 draft is one of the three draft classes that usually get talked about as far as which one is the best one being the first one being the uh, 84 draft class, which was um, Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon players like that. 1996, was Allen Iverson, Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, players like that. And then, of course, 2003 with D-Wade, LeBron, Melo, Chris Bosh, players like that. Now, all of those guys that I just named are already in the Hall of Fame or going to be in the Hall of Fame sooner or later. 
um, they're all be first ballot Hall of Fame players um, because that is the impact that they've had on the NBA game on and off the court. Um, Iverson also was the Rookie of the Year in 1996. He's an 11-time NBA All-Star, 11 straight selections um, for, you know, just for the record. Uh, he's a four-time NBA scoring champ. He's a three-time NBA steals leader. He was the 2001 regular season MVP. He's a two-time All-Star MVP, and he was a first ballot Hall of Famer going into the Hall of Fame in 2016. Um, so... The first thing that stands out to me about Allen Iverson, as I said, is Allen Iverson was six feet tall and he weighed about 175 pounds. Now, usually when you see professional athletes, these guys are, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", something like that. They are some of the most athletic, muscular guys you'll ever see. But yet, Allen Iverson was six feet tall, 175 pounds, and he was a force. And when I say a force, most of the time when you see smaller guys in the NBA, you know, they might have their run of games where they're they're doing crazy things just because people have never seen it. But Allen Iverson for 14 years was going up and down the court. He was crossing folks left and right. He was averaging 26 a game. He was dropping 48 in the NBA finals. He dropped 55 in an NBA playoff game. His career high for points in a game is 60. Allen Iverson did a lot of things on the NBA court, you know, that people do on the regular now, but you didn't see as much back in the day in in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Allen Iverson put a franchise on his back, the Philadelphia 76ers, and he carried them you know, for a a good part of his career, which is in Philly, if you guys have ever seen the Eagles or the Sixers, or if you've even seen how the fans are there at like some WWE live events, those fans just want greatness. That's all that they want. So that's why whenever you see the Philadelphia games on TV now and you see Allen Iverson there and they put the camera on them, the fans go crazy because they know Allen Iverson gave that organization in that city all that he had and then some. And when I say it's tough to play in Philly, just think, at an Eagles game, the Eagles fans booed Santa. They booed Santa. That, that's how ruthless they are. At the Royal Rumble in 2015 for WWE, um, like I said last week on the podcast, The Rock Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, he's one of the most iconic wrestlers you'll ever see. They booed him when he came out to help his cousin, Roman Reigns. They booed The Rock. So that lets you know what it's like to play in Philly. But Allen Iverson embraced that, and he took that franchise, you know, on his shoulders and did everything he could. And when I say he took that franchise on his shoulders, um, when Allen Iverson was traded back in 2006 from Philly, It took the 76ers six years to even get back to the playoffs and win a series. Six years, one player was traded. So that lets you know the kind of impact he had on that franchise and what he was doing for that franchise. Um, Allen Iverson had the respect of all his teammates. He had the respect of other 
stars around the league. Um, one of the, the best rivalries that you got to see in the NBA when Iverson was playing was Allen Iverson versus Kobe Bryant. They both were drafted in the same draft class. Of course, Kobe, you know, had some growing pains, um, acclimating his way into the league. Iverson didn't. He was really, you know, looked upon to carry the franchise from day one, which he did. Um, back in 1999, well, actually, I take that back. Let's go back three years before when the Lakers ended up playing a game against the Houston Rockets. Kobe got into the game. Kobe scored uh, two points in five minutes. And he says when he got back to the hotel um, watching Sports Center, he noticed that Allen Iverson dropped 35 points uh, in a game against the Knicks. So, of course, he was upset with it because he felt like he had to work harder. He had to do better. In 1999, in a matchup that they played against each other, Allen Iverson dropped 35 points, or 41 points, excuse me, and 10 assists on Kobe Bryant. Kobe then said he knew he wasn't working hard enough, and he said that was the day that the Black Mamba was born because he didn't want to feel that way. He said Allen Iverson drove him to work harder and be better. And when they matched up the next February, um, Allen Iverson scored 16 points in the first half. Allen Iverson finished the game with 16 points. That's the respect that Kobe had for Allen Iverson, and that's the the drive that Allen Iverson put in Kobe to basically take his game to another level and Kobe to become what Kobe became. Um, another Kobe Bryant quote was, we should all be so lucky that Allen Iverson wasn't 6'5". That lets you know that if Allen Iverson had been a little taller and the skills that he had and his talent on the court, Allen Iverson probably would have ran the league. That That's how good he was. Like, if you guys go back and watch some of the games or if you watch YouTube clips or if you grew up in that era, that's how you know how how good of a player he was. Um, so that that's part of the, the influence he had on the court. We're definitely going to come back to that. But one thing that I did say earlier about Allen Iverson was he's an athlete who was going to do it his way. And when I say do it his way, Allen Iverson was getting his hair braided in cornrows during a game. That's what I mean by saying he was going to do it his way. Allen Iverson didn't dress the way that that you see professionals dressed. He wasn't in a shirt and tie and stuff like that. Allen Iverson had on headbands, do-rags. He had his brush before he got his braids. He had on baggy clothes chain stuff like that that's how he went to interviews that's how he went to press conferences um when Allen Iverson won his MVP award generally when you win the MVP award if it's not given to you during the game or before the game when you're in your warm-ups and everything they have a presentation for you you got on a shirt and tie you give a speech all of that for Allen Iverson when he won his MVP he came to the press conference in a cutoff Philadelphia 76ers t-shirt. He had on some balling shorts and he had on a do-rag and he accepted his award. He said what he had to say and he went on by his day. So that's what I say. That's what I mean when I say that he did it his way and his cultural impact on the NBA. Think about all of the young players that you see and all even some of the veterans your Kyle Kuzma's, your J.R. Smith's, your LeBron James, your Kobe Bryant's, your D. Wade's, um, your Paul Pierce's with the headband, your Vince Carter's with the headbands, um, all the guys that you see that wear the sleeves, you know, when they're playing. Those guys all got that 
from Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was tatted down. He had tats everywhere from his neck down. Allen Iverson was completely tatted. He always wore a headband. He wore the arm sleeve. He wore the compression shorts. He wore all of that. Now, back in the 2000s, early 2000s, late 90s, this wasn't a regular thing. This wasn't a coach that wasn't culturally accepted, especially the tattoos. It's not what you saw NBA players on. If you think back to the the 80s and the early 90s, when you look at all those players, you might see a tattoo here or there, maybe one or two, but you didn't see players completely tatted to the point where they're covered in tattoos and that's really all you can see. And that's what a lot of them are known for. So Allen Iverson was was different in that respect. And it came to a point where the commissioner of the NBA implemented a dress code for players before games. You had to come dressed up in a shirt and tie and you had to be professional. That all stemmed from how Allen Iverson came to games, how he came to press conferences, things of that nature. So that's part of the cultural impact he had on the game. And as Dwayne Wade said, look look at the NBA. The NBA is full of black players. The most iconic players are black outside of Larry Bird. They're black players. They're, you know, from some of the roughest places in America. Some of them grew up with a lot of, you know, heartache in their childhood and stuff, and they've become successful NBA players. And what is one of the biggest things in the black community? Hip-hop. That is what we listen to. That's what we relate to. Allen Iverson was the bridge for hip-hop in the NBA. So, like I said, in the early 90s, the 80s, especially in the 80s, in the early 90s, things of that nature, the NBA wasn't really linked to hip-hop, and, and hip-hop stars weren't – it wasn't as, as much of a relationship as it is these days that you see now. Never back in the day would have you seen an NBA star doing A&R and r and producing um, a, a rapper's uh, next album. LeBron James did A&R for 2 Chains, and 2 Chains is coming out with an album. You would have never seen that back in the day. Part of that, like I said, goes back to the the effect and the, the lasting impact that Iverson has on the NBA. So a lot of the things that you see today as far as what NBA players wear, how they dress, how they look, how outspoken they are, things of that nature, a lot of that stems from what Allen Iverson went through when he was playing. Now, today that stuff is okay. Back then for Allen Iverson, part of you know his willingness to be him and do everything that, that he wanted to do is kind of the reason why I don't think his career lasted as long. He had a lot of great moments from, like I said, carrying the 76ers to the NBA Finals in 2001 and dropping 48 on Shaq and Kobe in game one. Now, they lost that series in five games. You know, a lot of people expected them to get swept. He was the he led the team to giving the Lakers that year the only loss that they had that year. They were 15 and one. They swept everybody but the 76ers. Um, Iverson dropped 48 that game one. He then went on to score 23, 35, 35, and 37. So that was averaging 35.6 in the finals against Shaq and Kobe. So that's no that's no small accomplishment. That is a big accomplishment. Um, like I said, he won an MVP and all of that, but um his his brashness and his his willing to to be so defensive 
with management, with his coaches. Like I said, it worked for him, but then again, it didn't. When he got traded to Denver in 2006, you know, it 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 looked good. He was still scoring. He was still Allen Iverson, but the Nuggets weren't – they weren't doing anything. They just weren't doing anything. And he talked himself out of, out of Denver. He ended up in Memphis. He was only on Memphis for three games, and then he ended up in Detroit. And it just didn't work out in Detroit. And then he ended up back with the 76ers, which was, you know, a beautiful thing. But by that time, he was on his last legs. So, like I said, his Allen Iverson story is one of the great ones you'll ever hear. But if you hear me or you hear anybody or any of these sports people on TV talk about Allen Iverson's career, a lot of us think it could have went a lot longer. But for... For the the worst part, Allen Iverson's mouth, his attitude, his way of going about things probably was the demise of his career because we all know media, the media doesn't make everything, but the media plays a big part in it. And what I mean by saying that is look at – I'm trying to give a good example. Okay, so I got one. So – Look at how former NBA players look at how the media, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, um, whoever else you want to name, look at how they view LeBron in clutch moments. Now, the numbers will tell you that LeBron has more buzzer beaters than Michael Jordan and Kobe, more game-winning shots than Michael Jordan and Kobe in the playoffs. But if you ask a former NBA player, for example, Scottie Pippen, he will tell you that LeBron's not clutch. He don't have it in him. Um, but to take the word of Scottie Pippen is taking that with you know a grain of salt. Um, a few years ago, Scottie Pippen said that LeBron was a better player than Michael Jordan, but now he's saying that he's not even close to that level. So you know, Scottie Pippen's just trash in his takes. That's my opinion. But the media will tell you that LeBron isn't clutch. You got to go look up the numbers to figure whether or not that's true or not, or if that's how you feel. But when I say media plays a big part in how you're viewed and the perception of you, that is part of what happened to Allen Iverson. His willingness to wear, you know, all of those tattoos and wear big chains and dress with baggy clothes and come to the press conferences like he did and his epic, epic practice rant in the press conference to where he had on a tall tee and his hat was um, turned to the side with a do-rag on. Those kind of moments, the media eats up because they give this perception that he was a terrible person and it was all about, you know, me, myself, and Iverson has been coined before. But that's just how he was. So in the media, of course, he gets a bad rap because Allen Iverson is like your typical person. They ain't going to take no crap. They're going to say what they want to say and do what they want to do. And, you know, the flip side of that is when you have that perception about you in the media and then that perception gets around the league, it makes it harder for you to keep being successful because one bad incident or one one bad break will have you shipped off to another team or cut or something like that. And that's part of Allen Iverson's career. There's no reason that he should have played for the 76ers, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Pistons, and then back to the 76ers. He should have been in Philly his whole career because I'm sure 
you know, that's what he wanted. And I'm sure that's what, you know, Philly management would have wanted. But again, you know, sometimes cooler heads don't prevail and he ended up getting shipped out. But um, again, Iverson's impact on the court and his cultural impact throughout the NBA is still felt to this day. Because without Iverson, I don't I don't think a lot of players will be as outspoken as they are today. And I don't think it will be as socially accepted as it is today versus how it was back then. So I attribute that a lot to Allen Iverson. Um, like I said, he's a force on and off the court. And I don't think that the NBA would be as popular today had it not went through with it, had it not went through the issues that it had with Iverson versus what they have today. Um, he's, he has a lasting impact on the NBA and truth be told, there's nothing that you could tell me. Otherwise you could dispute this whole thing, this whole argument I've got, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to shake my head and tell you that you're wrong. Um, Iverson still has the respect of all players and he still has the respect of, you know, the Philly fans. And like I said, you can't tell the story of the NBA without mentioning Allen Iverson. And this is coming from, you know, a guy who grew up watching Michael Jordan and seeing old games of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and watching Shaq. Um, you know, in his early days, watching Hakeem Olajuwon and Charles Barkley and Carl uh, Malone and John Stockton and Gary Payton and all of that, none of them captured the captured my eye more than Allen Iverson. He's one of the the most coolest things to see on an NBA court. Seeing him cross a guy, make him fall, the guy try to get back up and cross him again and go to the rack. Allen Iverson was was a, a what we call a a franchise player. He was a franchise name, and he was box office. As Stephen A. would say, "We got a lot of superstars in the NBA, but very few are box office." And Allen Iverson was the definition of box office. Um, but what I do want to do is we're gonna stop here. We're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. But I do want to talk about real quickly um, how. Allen Iverson being the way that he was and him never winning a championship kind of makes it easy for people to overlook what he was to the NBA on on the court, especially, you know, during his playing career. Because um, some of the things that, that people come out with today kind of just bother me because, like I said, it's, it's tough to deny what the man did on the court. And one of the things that I've seen recently is why I have, you know, a straight face when I look at some of these guys making these lists of great players and stuff like that. So we're going to get into that when we come back. So just give us a quick second. We'll be right back um, with more Clutch Time with Mike on the mic. Uh, So here's a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back to Clutch Time with Mike on the mic. Again, with your favorite Mike, listening to your favorite podcast. Today, we're talking about Allen Iverson and his impact on the NBA as well as his playing career. Um, But what I really want to talk about right now is I understand that as time goes on, you know, you you, kind of forget what a player was back in the heyday when they were playing every day. And of course, that that fades, you know, that's for any player. 
Um, Because I'm pretty sure back in the 90s when Michael Jordan retired, nobody would have thought ever in their life that anybody would dispute whether or not he was the greatest player of all time. But of course, that is a regular discussion these days. So as I said earlier, some of the decisions that Iverson made, you know, and his his brashness and everything like that, I kind of think hampered him in his career. And I think for most players that don't win NBA championships, that's what's always going to be held against you. Some players, and I include Allen Iverson in this group, that your your impact beyond the game kind of validates your career. And I think for Iverson, like I said, his cultural impact validates what he was, you know, as an icon for the NBA. Um, he isn't like a let's just say like a Charles Barkley, no disrespect to Charles Barkley, but outside of playing, outside of his playing career, Charles Barkley's, I mean, he's done a few interviews with, with very important people and things of that nature. And he is on inside the NBA on TNT, the best basketball show on the planet. Um, But outside of that, what did Charles Barkley really do for the NBA? I mean, you can, like I said earlier, when you're talking about writing the story of the NBA, you'll get to Allen Iverson before you get to Charles Barkley. Um, So that's just a comparison of what I mean about players not winning rings and the impact that it holds. But for Allen Iverson, he was such a great player that one ring would have validated his whole career as far as him being a champion and everything like that. And because he doesn't have a ring, I think a lot of people tend to forget what what he was as a player and the dominance that he brought. And the reason I say this is because one of my favorite things to do when we talk in sports period is we all like to make lists. Who's the 10 greatest players of all time? Or if you want to go down position, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, coaches, whatever the case may be. Now, Allen Iverson is a two guard. Let's let's not you know get that mixed up. He handled the ball a lot, but that's because that's how Larry Brown had the system set up. Give Iverson the ball. Y'all move out the way and let him do what he got to do. He'll create for other players and score baskets himself. That was literally their game plan. And if you go watch an Allen Iverson documentary, that is exactly what it'll be be said. So let's just talk about the NBA this year. Now, when we talk about shooting guards, Shooting guards is one of the, to me, one of the hardest positions to play because you're playing against so much history. Now, if you make a top five, if I make a top five list of shooting guards, it's Michael Jordan, number one, Kobe Bryant, number two, Dwayne Wade, number three, Allen Iverson, number four, and number five, depending on the day that you catch me, I might say Jerry West. I might say somebody like Clyde Drexler. I, you know, it just depends. But them first four are a lock for me. You ain't, you ain't gonna find four shooting guards better than them four. Now, of course, Michael Jordan, six rings, six NBA championships, six finals MVPs, five regular season MVPs, the iconic. We know what Michael Jordan is. Kobe, the next closest thing to Michael Jordan, damn near carbon copy. Five championships, one regular season MVP, two finals MVPs, one of the best all-time scorers you've ever saw. Dwayne Wade, 6'4", probably one of the most versatile two-way guards you'll ever meet. 
He's the all-time leader for blocks by a shooting guard, three rings, one finals MVP, and that finals MVP holds a lot of weight because they were down 0-2, and he single-handedly brought the Miami Heat back from an 0-2 deficit by himself. Case closed. Those are my three. Allen Iverson is number four because Allen Iverson was what Allen Iverson was. All I'm saying is Allen Iverson had one ring. I would rank him over D-Wade. That's how much of an impact he had on the game, and that's how much he carried his team throughout his career. He was literally playing most of his career outside of outside of those two years with Carmelo Anthony. He played his whole career without another all-star. If there was another all-star there, well, Dikembe Mutombo, but Dikembe Mutombo was straight for defense. He wasn't out here scoring, so that, that's the difference. So... Recently, uh, an well, not an analyst, a host of a show called First Things First on Fox with Chris Carter and Nick Wright. Nick Wright made a list of his all-time shooting guard list. His list was Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, James Harden, and then Allen Iverson. Now, let's hold the hell up. Let's pump our brakes. The reason why James Harden is on that list is because this season, James Harden is up to, I think, 32 games straight of scoring 30 points or more. Now, in this streak, he did have a game where he scored 57, and then two days later, he scored 58 points, and he's been going the hell off. I will give him that. No doubt about it. James Harden won the regular season MVP last year, and truth be told, he probably should have won his second one because I think the year that Steph won his first one back in 2015, James Harden should have won it, and all of the players even voted so and said so. So no slack to James Harden. But one thing about NBA players, any NBA debate that you will have, yes, it is all good and well to score all these points, do all of this stuff during the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, what did you do when it mattered the most? Now, Allen Iverson did win a ring. But if you can point to, to the game where Allen Iverson didn't come to play, might have lost, but he didn't come to play, then please show me because I don't remember it. Now, James Harden, on the other hand, um, y'all can bash me if I'm wrong, but the only big thing that I remember James Harden for in the NBA playoffs is in 2012 when they went to the finals, him, Russ, and KD, they were playing the Spurs, and in game six, he hit that dagger of a three that put them up, uh, up two possessions, and they ended up winning the series and going to the NBA finals. That's all I remember him for positively in the playoffs. Negatively, I remember him playing against the Spurs in a game six where they didn't have their best player. And he committed, I think, like 13 turnovers in the game, something like that. He only had like 10 points. Terrible. It was like one of the worst showings I've ever seen. Then I watched him last year go up by 20 points, I believe, against the Warriors in game six. And then he disappeared. Warriors came back, won game six. Then in game seven, at home, 
at home. The Rockets missed 27 straight three-pointers. 27. I don't even think Shaq would miss 27 straight three-pointers in a row. And he was part of that. So, and he was the MVP. So, James Harden has a lot of flameouts in the NBA playoffs. And they don't be just like, oh, you guys lost. They be bad. Like, there's no reason for them to have lost to the Spurs like they lost or lost to the Warriors last year like they did. Now, I understand Chris Paul was hurt, but to me, and I say this a lot, I, I really do. If you're an NBA star, NBA, you know, you're looked at on that elite level of players, you should be good enough as by yourself to win a playoff game by yourself. You, I mean, when I say by yourself, it's just you are the star on the team and you got four other guys playing with you, but they role players. You should be good enough to be able to do that. I've seen Jordan do it. I've seen LeBron do it. I've seen Iverson do it. I've seen Kobe do it. I've seen Shaq do it. I'm just saying, just to name a few, I've seen Kevin Garnett do it. I just feel like if you're that guy, then you should be able to win a game. Granted, yes, it's a game seven, but you're at home. So that means that you got the crowd behind you. You're more comfortable playing at home than you are on the road, especially if you're playing against the Warriors and Oracle Arena. I would definitely rather be at home in a game seven playing against them because road games ain't meant for everybody. So let's pump the brakes on trying to put guys over Allen Iverson historically, especially if they don't have a ring just like he don't have a ring. Now, James Harden been in the, in the league 10 years, and he just won his MVP in his ninth year, as opposed to Allen Iverson, who won his MVP in his fifth year and went to the finals. Allen Iverson was carrying a team with, with you know, a coach who was defensive-minded. James Harden's stats are kind of inflated because look who his coach is. This is the same coach who had Steve Nash winning back-to-back MVPs. This is the same coach that had – uh, Jeremy Lin out here looking like the second coming of, I don't know, some other great point guard. This is the same coach who had, uh, uh, what is the, my man's from UNC, the point guard, not Ty Lawson. I can't remember the other guy's name, but y'all know who I'm talking about. He had him out here looking like he was about to be an all-star in, in the NBA. Mike D'Antoni's system makes the average point guards look like great point guards, and it makes the good players look like legendary players. Not to say James Harden ain't good, but James Harden on his best day, on his best day, is not better than Allen Iverson on his worst day. That is how much I think people are overrating James Harden's career so far. Like, he got the MVP to kind of validate his regular season play, but I need to see more in the playoffs. And we're 10 years in, so you ain't got that much time left. You know, you you guys are – I feel like your window's closing because Chris Paul ain't going to be here forever. And James Harden, it's up to you. So, to Nick Wright, don't ever disrespect the answer again and say that the beard was better than the answer because Allen Iverson would destroy James Harden. Sorry. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
You give me Allen Iverson over James Harden eight days a week, 25, eight, 25 hours a day. Give me an extra hour. I'm still taking Allen Iverson. So let's pump the brakes on who y'all are trying to put over Allen Iverson, you know, because of maybe him not winning a, a ring or something like that. But James Harden, uh-uh. Don't, don't, don't even – James Harden doesn't even belong in them kind of conversations yet. Sorry. He just ain't done enough for me. All of these flameouts in the playoffs, so bad flameouts in the playoffs is what's holding him back for me. I don't care how great you are in the regular season. If I don't see it in the NBA playoffs, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Sorry. That's just how it goes. It's just how it goes. So that concludes my little rant right there. Nick Wright, get your, get your mind right. I hope you hear this one day because you tripping. But that concludes my podcast on Allen Iverson. And like I said, Allen Iverson is the greatest athlete to ever live to me. Uh, that is one bad boy. Um, that man is transcendent. He is iconic. He's a cultural icon, an NBA icon, and he is just one hell of a player. That's 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 about as, as blunt as I can get it. But um, as always, I appreciate everybody that listens to this every week. I try to you know get this stuff straight from the heart, do a little research, make sure I'm I'm giving I'm giving good facts, um, stuff like that. I know the point guard I was talking about from UNC. Um, not Ty Lawson. I'm talking about Raymond Felton, for those who didn't know what I was talking about. I was talking about Raymond Felton. Raymond Felton even looked like one hell of a player up under Mike D'Antoni. So that's all I'm saying. But um, we'll be back next week with episode eight, of course. I have no idea what I'm going to talk about yet. But, um, you know, I'll I, I try to give you guys the real on this stuff and, and how I feel. Definitely going to start having some guests soon so I can hear other people's point of view. Um, and just kind of go back and forth with them and, you know, make this as fun as it possibly can. And like I said, I appreciate all the support and the love that I get on social media for this stuff. Um, I appreciate y'all. And I didn't say it last week, but, you know, always remember Batman is better than your favorite superhero and LeBron James is better than your favorite basketball player. And Duke is better than your favorite college. I don't care if they lost to UNC. We didn't have Zion. But that's 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 a that's a that's that's a debate for another day. And to my boy EJ, I just want you to understand something. If Duke had to play Kentucky today, y'all are losing. Shout out to you, EJ. The real blue resides in Durham, North Carolina. But, um, again, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, this is Clutch Time with Mike on the mic, your favorite mic and your favorite podcast. Y'all enjoy the rest of y'all Sunday. Y'all have a great week coming up.